This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And I am happy to have the company of a guy Bears fans are quite familiar with. He's been doing their games on the radio, God, since leather helmets, <laughs> it seems like. Tom Thayer, the former Chicago Bear, is with me today. Tom, new home this year for the Bears, ESPN 1000. Uh, I know those guys are all excited about it. I saw them at the 25th anniversary party back in March. They're jacked for having you and Joniak on board, and I could tell listening to you with Sylvie and Waddle recently <laughs> that it's going to work out real well for you characters. You know what, Danny Mac? It's going to give us an opportunity to, to expand our broadcast because in the previous uh, years of uh, the broadcast, we had a lot of commercials during the course of the game that we had to read. So you almost had to filter in that 10 or 15 second read according to the answer that you were trying to give from the previous play. So now we don't have those anymore in the broadcast, so it's going to be football broadcast. I think there's going to be a little bit longer periods of time to explain the good and the bad of the play that we just saw and what we're looking forward to maybe in the next series or even the next play. So it's going to be it's going to be a new brand of broadcast and then the team over at ESPN 1000 is a really young energetic group of guys that they talk more about being a team than they do a broadcast group, which I think is really cool for all of us that are going to have an opportunity to take part in the full Bears day of a broadcast. Okay, so we can look forward to uh, a Khalil Herbert chip block not sponsored by Fifth Third National <laughs> Bank. As Man, Joniak's got a lot of juggling in past years. That's good. You're streamlining a little bit. It does because I imagine it's quite cumbersome for you two as well over the years doing it that way. You know, the week, the work during the week that Jeff has to do to get ready for the pre and the post game, all the commercial reads, all the little, you know, maybe a new sponsor that comes in during a board during the week that you have to go meet inside the studio and record the commercial. A lot of those things are taken off of his plate. And even though Jeff is probably the most over-prepared broadcaster I've ever been around, you know, he's still going to be the same type of guy, but there may be, uh, an, you know, extra time allotted per broadcast that he's going to be able to use some of the information that he never gets to use during the, during the course of a broadcast. Let's talk a little bit about OTAs and minicamp. Um, not much of a reason I, I can't find, unless there's a serious injury, to ever jump up and down, whether it's negative or positive, although I did hear some of that coming out of the Bears' OTAs and the minicamp. I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated with Chase Claypool's 
lack of being available again, but it's freaking yeah. June. I wish people would relax. You, you know what's funny, Danny Mac? You've been around football as long as I have. And when I go through OTAs and I even watch mandatory minicamp, no pads, I hate no pad football, a lot of times I don't even watch the upper body of a player. If I'm looking at a specific position, take Darnell Wright, for example. Throughout the course of a a nine-on-seven period or one-on-ones, I will only watch his feet. Can his feet do the job to the demands of what's required of him, just like a defensive back or a linebacker or any of these guys? So it's kind of a unique way to watch football because once training camp gets here, you got to watch the full body of work. How does the feet match up with the hands? How do the hand placement be able to deter the rush of a defensive lineman to make his path longer to the quarterback? Just like watching some of the young defensive linemen, do they have the ability to make a move and then redirect if the offensive lineman stalemates them? So had an opportunity to look at the athleticism of this team. I do think throughout OTAs, the team and the roster is more practice competitive than it's been maybe in the last four or five years. So to me, I'm kind of encouraged to see how it all, all the pieces are in place. For example, you think of Edmonds and TJ Edwards, the two linebackers they brought aboard. You think of the defensive linemen that they played with in the last couple of years are pretty darn good defensive linemen. And so that's where the Bears need to upgrade their personnel and their talent the most to make sure that these linebackers have the same protection that they have had in Buffalo and in Philly where they came from. I want to ask you further about Darnell Wright, the 10th player chosen in the first round, the rookie tackle out of Tennessee. As you are well aware, it's been 40 years since the Bear home, Bears homered with a tackle in the first round. Jim Covert, your former teammate. What I like so far is there hasn't been any discussion, Tom, of his versatility. He's a right tackle, and that's where he's going to play. How much of an advantage does that give them this year, knowing going into camp Everybody's pretty much cemented positionally for a change. Danny Mack, it's good if Braxton Jones makes some improvement. And that's the starting left tackle that was a rookie last year that played every snap of the season. Now, if he improves, if he gets stronger, if he has better bendability, if he has a better ability to stop a bull rush from a defensive lineman, then all these things are going to work out. However, in the back of my head, Danny Mac, I'm always going to think, okay, is there an emergency scenario where I have to move Darnell Wright over to the left tackle position? Because the evaluation of watching his snaps in, in his college game, he has the ability to play there. But you can make a strong offensive line with a right tackle, and it's not the demand that you have to have a left tackle these days because the variations of the different offense that the Bears have. But to me, it's all about Braxton Jones. Does he take another step forward that doesn't solidify him out of need for the position, but ability for the position? And if that's the case, then you could could be talking about two bookend tackles that may be around 
for years like Jackie Slater and Irv Pankey back in the old Los Angeles Rams days in two guys like that that could really help this team a lot. <laughs> and her panky reference. Oh, there's a guy born in 1961. <laughs> if I ever heard one. I, I know you want, and I think thinking people want, a radical reduction in Justin Fields' attempts and rushing yards. Do you feel good if they succeed at doing that and they they make him more of a passer first? Do you feel good about the running backs they have with Herbert and Roshan Johnson, the rookie out of Texas? Um, I don't know. Would I need to see them, Danny Mack, because I need to see him have responsibilities and pass protection. Or if the defense says, I don't know if Khalil Herbert can block, let's send a linebacker, let's send an outside corner, let's send a safety to see if he can withstand the responsibilities to extend the protection for Justin. If Justin is, goes to the line, calls the play in the huddle, goes to the line of scrimmage, understands where their vulnerabilities are, and now he's looking to eject the pocket before he ever looks to a check down route, then, then that's where my concerns lie. I went back and I was looking at video of every sack that Justin Fields took last year. The very first sack of the season, it was a simple out route to David Montgomery. Clear, easy. That's exactly what the play was telling you. Instead, he held on to the ball and took a sack. So it's going to be equal for the responsibilities of the running backs that they have, Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert and all the other all the other guys they have as candidates out there. But I think Justin's he's got to accept some of the, some of the responsibility as much as the running back position does itself. I want to ask you to take a peek at the division. Um, the Lions at Bet Rivers are a slight favorite at plus one twenty, and then uh, then the Vikings, and then the Bears at four to one to win the NFC North. You'd think now maybe that's kind of foolish after a three and fourteen. I think this team can win nine games. I don't think that's being ridiculously overly optimistic. Do you think nine or ten is with is within striking distance with the talent they've acquired? I, th- I think with nine you have to. You think of what they suffered through last year, what we all suffered through last year in three and fourteen. If they don't make that elevation, that improvement within the division, when you look at what's going on in Green Bay and the uncertainty with Minnesota at the running back position and some of the other offensive personnel that they have, obviously Detroit is going to get the. Uh, probably the notch right now and the the favorite in the division. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, Danny Mac. I think that you got to set your sights on nine games. And, God, what a story that first game of the year is going to tell about the rest of the year. They go out and they play the Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love being the quarterback. And if the Bears can't beat those guys at home the first game of the year, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be uh, – it's, it's I don't know what to think about the rest of the season. Mm, really? That much emphasis on well, the Well, then you go down to Tampa Bay. You have a noon start. The heat's going to be unbearable, no pun intended. So you never know the outcome of there. Then you go to Kansas City. You get a late afternoon yeah. start. It's going to be hot there with, you know, a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl caliber football team. So you you got to start out 1-0 just to give your team – the coaches, the organization, some self-confidence to believe that they can go down and beat Baker Mayfield in Tampa. 
Uh, I want to ask you about one other Bears draft pick you recently had the chance to see. But first, what else on draft night or over the draft was curious to you? And uh, I'm hoping you give me the answer I want. I thought, well, I I won't say anymore. What What was curious to you? Which team went a little bit outside the box that made you think, man, what the F are they doing here? Well, you know, the kind of the thing about it is I, I was before you get to know a little bit of the, about the background of the defensive lineman from Georgia. I thought that was the direction the Bears were going to go, especially when I saw him slide down and give the Bears. Then they went right to the trade and Philly went and traded for, or traded for him and picked him up. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter, that's, you know, um, trying to think of it. But anyways. You know, I, I thought the Bears were going to go defensive line, but when they had a couple of defensive linemen within the top picks, I, I, I was happy about that. And uh, I don't know. What are you steering me towards? Now I'm curious. I'm curious I thought about I was going to give Lucas. Thinking. Yeah. Lucas Van Ness yeah. to the Packers out of Iowa. I got buddies who are Hawkeyes, and they're like, man, he wasn't even a dominant player. He's not really got a position. He's a little of that, and a, and he's a weight room guy. He's a combine yeah. guy. That scares me. I think Mike yes. Mamula of the Eagles when I think combine guys. I also think the Lions way overdrafted Jack Campbell, another Hawkeye. And, and – uh the first guy, Van S, is he's he's uh, dating Cole Komet's sister. So we 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 got a little. We're gonna have a little head butting there when the tight end, the big tight end, is blocking the defensive end. But I'm with you. Yeah, I I thought it was a a workout warrior, a training or a, a combine type of guy that uh, you know you think of Hutchinson, the quarterback for Indianapolis Colts. He's the most explosive combine player that they've probably had in, in 10 years. What did I say? Hutchinson? Maybe it's Richardson. Richard, Richardson. Yeah, Richardson. You're close. Yeah. Hey, it's Jim. Um, He's a rookie. All right. He doesn't deserve his name. Right. When I saw him and how explosive he was at the combine to think outside the box, I was almost thinking, God, the Bears should draft him. And then what the, then the value it gives you next year. If Justin explodes onto the scene, now you got this other guy that you might be able to trade for two, two first-round picks. Or if Justin doesn't live up to expectations, now you have this other quarterback waiting in the wings that maybe you possibly develop into the next, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, an arm like Peyton Manning and the running ability of Lamar Jackson. Oh, man, if the Bears would have drafted Richardson or any quarterback – it's already been an interesting off season. I mean, uh, it, it's not often when you say, God, I'd, I'd love to be on the air every day in an off season. Cause there's so much good NFL. You don't have to worry about crappy white Sox and Cubs <laughs> teams this year, but if they would have drafted a quarterback, this city would have been up for grabs. And why wouldn't you? Justin Fields has done nothing to tell anybody He's going to be a great quarterback in this league. Jury's long out on this. I, I, I agree with that too, but I'm also trying to create collateral, you know, in in the uh, in the in the for the future. If you think if one or both of these guys hit, you you're, you you could possibly bring in you know three first round draft picks for the next couple of years. And I know they have two first rounders next year with the Carolina pick and the Bears pick, 
So what do we do? Sit here all year and hope that Carolina, you know, collapses on itself so the Bears have a higher draft choice. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about the nine wins that you expect out of the Bears and about a mid a mid round for you know mid level first rounder. So it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold, you know, going into the future. In the biggest, uh, I, I think what we all want is we want Justin to, you know, explode onto the scene. And like I said, I'd like to see him have two-thirds less rushing yards that, you know, increases mm-hmm. his passing yards by a 1,000. Yeah. I uh... – I want to ask you about Gervon Dexter, and uh, this is the second-round pick, the defensive lineman who's potentially very disruptive, and the Bears were dreadful on the D-line. I think seven and a half sacks with their D-linemen collectively. Can he make a big splash in his first year? You like him that much? I do like him. I like his length. I like his athleticism. I like his... You're hedging. I, 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 I need You're to hedging. see him. Because the thing about it is, if you're if you're a rookie off if you're a rookie defensive lineman, or, you know just to analogize. So the rookie year of Bruce Smith, we played against him, and he was overweight, he was out of shape, he was slow off the ball, and he was very blockable. And then all of a sudden, he turned into the Hall of Famer that he became. Reggie White, I played against him in college, I played against him in the USFL, and I played against him in the NFL. Early in his football career, he was slow off the ball. He got a chance for defense, offensive linemen to get their hands inside and slow down his enormous power, and then he became probably one of the greatest defensive linemen in history. So when you look at Dexter, he has all the tools to morph into that future defensive lineman that you know could be as powerful and as quick up and down the line of scrimmage. He could play defensive end, a three-technique defensive tackle. So it's all about his development. And that's part of the things that I'm interested to see in training camp because when you're going against Nate Davis or you're going against Tevin Jenkins or you're going against Cody Whitehair, the new center, you know, he's going to have some interesting one-on-ones to impress the coaches, to impress the the observers on the sideline. So I I, I like his size. I like his structure. I like his athleticism. And, um, you know, he, he looked, he looked apart when he was in no pad football, but you and I could go to OTAs and we could compete in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that you might be able to, I'd be holding my hernias plural. <laughs> um, last thing I got for you, hard knocks. It, most people say it's jump the shark. It, it has become formulaic, but by August, I'm ready for an inside look at whatever teams are willing to show you. The Bears reportedly want nothing to do with it, and they are among those eligible. The league could force them to do it. Um, how would that be such a terrible thing for the Bears, number one, and number two, what would we learn about the Bears if HBO were to be given access that we don't get to see on the outside? I, I think some of the muted conversations that you see before meetings or after meetings or on the field or some of the antics that goes on outside of football itself, 
I think foot, we're all always going to be exposed to practice and everything. But to me, would Hard Knocks want to travel to Indianapolis? Because the Bears are going to go to Indianapolis for a week in practice down there. So are they going to want to haul all their equipment to Indianapolis and set up because you're filming the Bears? Or is this going to be something that they would rather wait until the Bears have an entire training camp at uh, Hallis Hall and maybe they bring in an opponent there like they did last year with the Dolphins. So, uh, you know, I, I used to be a huge fan of Hard Knocks. I kind of got, you know, got away from it a little bit, you know, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But I don't know. I don't think it's it does your team. It doesn't benefit your team. All it does is expose guys like. Uh, you know, Joniak in front of the camera that you probably don't want to see as much. But, you know, with him with him being there every day, all day, you know, he would probably have to be one of those guys mic'd up. Uh, we learned J.J. Watt loves to mug for oh. the cameras a few years ago. I'm, I'm a huge fan, but showing up at night to work a blocking dummy. Right. Come on, right. J.J. You know, what it's it's like some of the his, the stories about Aaron Donald, where they'll walk into a pit, and the weight room lights will be on at one o'clock in the morning, and he'll be in there lifting weights. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, sure he will. But I sure I he will. Say, Tom always your boy Hilgie, Jay yeah. Hilgenberg. He's a type of guy that used to like to work out at some odd hours. You know, it wasn't always under the time that Clyde Emmerich wanted him to be there. It was. Maybe a Sunday uh-huh. afternoon at three o'clock, he would call Clyde up and ask him to come and open the weight room and give him some lift off so he could get his workouts done. <laughs> oh, that's classic. Tom, thanks a bunch for the visit. Have uh, have a good rest of your summer, and uh, we'll be in touch once the ball goes in the air in September. Start looking for those yeah, nine wins. One, Danny Mac. I hope it's I hope you're right. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast, and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week. Typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. I love talking football, and I can do it year-round. And uh, thanks to Tom Thayer and everybody at ESPN 1000 for giving him the green light to join us on the Danny Mac podcast. And I look forward to that conversation again once we get to September or October. And the odd weight room time of Jay Hilgenberg as well, uh, who can join us for a visit. Because uh, that that's what I, I, you know, those are my guys. I'm a baby boomer, and when I started working in Chicago radio in 85, boy, it was a goddamn good year to start working in Chicago radio if you did sports. Uh, That's when I started uh, building a lot of those relationships, and I think that's the accurate word in a half a dozen, maybe eight or ten cases. Uh, Ron Rivera, for example, head coach of the Washington Commanders, already has been a guest with us on the Danny Mac podcast. And I look forward to doing that again sometime down the road. See how Emmanuel Forbes, the 16th pick in round one, I think Mississippi state is where he played his college ball. 
see if he's going to bring Chico's defense to the next level. And uh, that's a team regarding hard, hard knocks that says it will participate. It would be happy, and they would be an interesting story, of course, with the Daniel Snyder saga continuing into this football season. That's not going anywhere as long as his fingerprints are on the team. And I still would love to to find out what his memoirs on Roger Goodell might include. What he's got. What's the dirt Dan Snyder has on Jerry Jones? He's threatening to expose the NFL. Okay, look forward to that. Later in the week, I will get back to baseball season. I recognize there are a lot of you who are more calendar-centric than I am and want to know about the White Sox and Cubs. I don't have anything that's really a new record on either side of town, but I will get to it. And as I've promised on recent shows, or at least one recent show, and it's not the first time I've done this and not made good on it, I got to get to your questions. I, I you please get to me on Facebook, Dan McNeil, M C N E I L. I'm going to post today questions for the podcast for this week. And I'm likely going to sit down next and do a podcast Thursday morning. If it won't be Thursday, it'll be early Friday, but I would say 90% chance it's going to be Thursday when you you'll get a, your next chance to hear me. Oh boy, how lucky are you? It's going to have the mailbag. I want to conclude by uh you know, and this is a violation of the always leave them laughing category, but I'll try to make it a positive one before I'm done because the man I want to talk about had a positive impact on so many and that was Kurt Keltner, who was a teammate of mine many, many years ago. He passed away last week. He was 63 years old. Kurt was a lifelong Highland, Indiana guy, and that's where I met him. We grew up in the same town on the south side of Highland, and he was one year ahead of me in high school. He was our co-captain in 1977 when I was a junior, and you know, some might have said at the time, how in the world did Kurt Keltner get to be voted a top ca- a, a captain? Is he a leader? Uh, he's a great player. He's expected to be all state. Dude was a monster as an inside linebacker, and he could run, and he was angry. He arrived with rude intentions at the point of attack, but he was just a goofball off the field. He didn't take anything seriously. He wasn't a good student. He was a bit of a slob. Later in life, he he took to wearing blue jean overalls almost exclusively. They were painted on him. Uh, We nicknamed him the Colonel. But he was a good captain because everybody's different in that locker room. And that's something as a young, a real young man, I didn't get that. I, I wound up seeing this as a junior and deploying it the following year as a 17 year old, when I was lucky enough to be voted a co-captain that different guys get motivated in different ways. Some guys need hellfire and brimstone for those guys. Jack Batilla was our captain. He was the guy they would look to. And I was more of that mindset. I was more of, as a high school football player, glory days, banging my head against the locker, uh, with or without a helmet, didn't matter to me, um, and getting all amped up. 
you know, Douglas from North Dallas 40 hitting the Coke machine with his face mask. That's more the kind of guy I was before games, but I learned when I, you know, watching the three captains we had, Jack Patilla, the Colonel, Kirk Keltner, and Tony Giba, lead by example guy, not as vocal as as Jack was, and Kurt certainly wasn't vocal. He he worked as as little as possible. He'd do, he'd do just enough to not get fired, if I could quote uh, Ron Livingston's character, Peter Gibbons, from off, uh, Office Space. Everybody's different, and I tried to recognize that the following year, and those who needed the kick in the ass got it. They got my toe up their rectum, and those who, who needed laughter and encouragement, um, they were treated differently. The colonel and I briefly lived together when I was at Ball State. He'd gotten into some trouble. He, he, was, he had a penchant for misadventure. And uh, I came home from the radio station at around six o'clock one afternoon in October. Just, you know, sun's just getting about ready to set. And I notice in the parking lot of my apartment complex, there is a brown Cadillac, a 1972 Cadillac with steer horns as a hood ornament. Now, there was only one person in the in America. I'd be surprised if I'm wrong on this who had bullhorns on his 72 Brown Cadillac, and that was the Colonel, Kurt Keltner. He, he got in trouble at Eastern Kentucky and said, I don't want to tell my parents, you mind if I stay here with you guys until Thanksgiving break? Says, no, Colonel, we don't mind. You are more than welcome to hang with us. You're a bud. The only problem is we got a tiny little shitty apartment. You're going to have to flop on the couch. And so to the couch, he flopped. And when we got home from either, you know, whether I was getting home from the radio station or the weight room because I was going through conditioning drills that winter for I was going to try to walk on at Ball State in the spring, I wound up changing my mind, put the headphones on and leave the helmet in the rearview mirror. Uh, the colonel would have dinner ready for us, <laughs> walk in the house on Kilgore Avenue, and the colonel took to aproning. And he had fried chicken and baked muffins and he'd been to the store and the place was clean and he was just a great dude to have around and always laughing was fun to take to radio station parties. We get home for Thanksgiving break. He calls me the night before I'm going to come back to Ball State and he says, hey, I never got around to telling my parents, do you mind if I tell them at Christmas? Can I get three more weeks, four more weeks on the couch? Come on down, buddy. And it was there. It was in Muncie, Indiana, where he met the, uh, his, his wife, Luann Pollitz, also a Highland girl. And they got married and had two kids. And I, I met Kurt's son, Clay, this past Saturday at his father's services. And uh, he uh, he was... He was doing okay. He was listening to a lot of people tell the same stories. Your dad really made me laugh. Your dad was a fun guy. And I said the same thing and talked to him about how I, I guess, you know, my friendship with your dad had something to do with you being born because, you know, he came down to Ball State and he met Luann, Luann Pollitz, Luann Keltner. And I hadn't seen her in so many years. And I'd only say seen Kurt a little bit over the years, but neither time nor distance changes the bonds you feel toward your childhood friends. And for those of you who are near me in age, 
and you've been going through this, know you're not alone, as you probably already recognize you have these conversations. If you're like me and my buddies, you know, we're getting tired of looking at the phone on a weekend. Oh, man, you're kidding me. Kurt passed away or Wayner uh, this past February. My friend up in Canada, Wayne Danielson, passed away. Les Grobstein, um, a year and a half ago, Jeff Dickerson, my former colleague and friend. It's uh, the older, the older you are, the more hurt you have. But you know what? Without love, you don't have that hurt. And I loved Kurt Keltner. I loved every day I spent with him. I loved every crappie we pulled out of Lake Minnetonka, his parents' place, and his parents both still alive in their late eighties. And um it was it was nice to see his mother, albeit under weird circumstances. But those are those are the most meaningful relationships and the ones that I forever will hold in the highest regard. I've been a lucky dude. I've met a lot of people as an adult who I consider friends. And a lot of them I consider trusted friends. But there's nothing like the guys and girls with whom you skinned your hearts and skinned your knees. And uh, it's just, uh, it's been a great, great life. And I have met so many great people. R.I.P. Kurt Keltner, a Highland Trojan through and through. Number 78 in your program, number one in your heart. I want to thank Adam Delavitt, who is the big boss man. He's baby Capone at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Sam Michael, also a Highland Trojan and proud to be that is my executive producer. I get to your questions and comments on Thursday's podcast. So get to me on Facebook or on Twitter, if you're part of the Twitterverse, at Danny Mac Show. Have a good middle of your week. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.